Well, we hope you got a bulletin this morning on your way in. It is Palm Sunday, and it talks about that uh, right there at the entrance of your bulletin. Inside, you have a gospel presentation, all right, that we'd like for you to take time and read and then pass on to someone this week and let them know that Jesus loves them, right, just like we're singing about this morning. What I'd like to do is have a scripture reading at this time just before our offering, and we are going to turn to the book of Matthew. You have your Bibles, if you would. Look at Matthew chapter 21. And we want to just say a little bit about Palm Sunday and what today means and uh, it, what, it, what it began. Palm Sunday was the day that Jesus rode into Jerusalem. And he rode in to Jerusalem on a donkey, symbolizing peace. As he rode in, those who had seen his miracles and his wonders, they gathered around him. They were praising him, saying, Hosanna, glory to God in the highest. They were putting... Uh, some of them, their clothes, their robes, uh, some putting palm branches down in the way for him to, to, to ride upon as he entered into Jerusalem. This is called in, in the scriptures, maybe in the heading of your Bible, you might, you might read it as the triumphal entry of Jesus into Jerusalem. And we're going to read that text in the Bible, Matthew 21. Let's read verses 1 through 9 and see what happened in this event as Jesus entered into Jerusalem. The Bible says, And when they drew nigh unto Jerusalem, and were come to Bethphage, unto the Mount of Olives, then sent Jesus two disciples, saying unto them, Go ye in the village over against you, and straightway ye shall find an ass tied and a colt with her. Loose them, and bring them unto me. And if any man say aught unto you, ye shall say, The Lord hath need of them, and straightway he will send them. All this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet, saying, Tell ye the daughter of Zion, Behold, thy king cometh unto thee, meek, and sitting upon an ass and a colt, the foal of an ass. And the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them, and brought the ass and the colt, and put on them their clothes, and they set him thereon. And a very great multitude spread their garments in the way, Others cut down branches from the trees and strawed them in the way. And the multitudes that went before and that followed cried, saying, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he was coming to Jerusalem, all the city was moved, saying, Who is this? Well, this was the Savior, Jesus, the Son of God, the one who had come. And in their minds, they were thinking, now he's going to set up his kingdom. But no, not on that first coming. Jesus' mind and mission was on something else. And this entry into Jerusalem began the clock ticking down to the cross. Because Jesus would present himself not as king, but as Savior. Now the Bible does say, and the Old Testament prophets looking way ahead, they saw the event where one day Jesus will come on a white horse and he will have us as armies behind him and he will set up his kingdom. But in the meantime, the valley between those two occasions that the prophets did not see looking forward was this period called the church age. 
And Jesus saw that period and knew what a work he was going to do in the world to bring the lost to himself, to redeem mankind. You see, because that's the, the true theme of the Bible, the redemption of man. And all throughout the ages, Jesus, what he really wants with all his heart is to bring men and women, boys and girls to himself. You see, because he loves you and he died for you, he gave his blood to pay for your sins because you couldn't. Because without him, we would all be condemned to a place called hell. The Bible tells us about that. We have to learn a few things before we understand that message. We have to learn some things about ourselves because the Bible says in God's point of view, because we just sang about him, remember, he is the only one that's holy. And from holy eyes, all of us are guilty of sin. And that sin is what would cause us to go to hell instead of heaven. That sin would separate us from God. Nothing we can do would wash away that sin. So Jesus came and presented himself in this triumphal entry, presenting himself in Jerusalem, not as king, not yet, but as savior, knowing that soon, and we'll celebrate this next week, he would die on a cross and he would shed his blood so that he could wash away our sins. Oh, the freedom the release that comes from knowing that your guilt is gone. It's been washed in the blood, never to be brought back to the mind of God, to know one day you can be presented faultless at his throne, not because you're good, but because he's good. Oh, that's a powerful truth. And if you're here today and you know Christ is your Savior, you already understood all of that. There was a day when you learned that for the first time and you chose, man, I want Jesus because I want him to do that for me. If you're here today and you've never accepted Christ as your Savior, hey, I want to invite you to come to Christ today because today can be your day when Jesus takes the payment he made on the cross and applies it to your life so that you too can be forgiven and be saved by the grace of God. Oh, what a joyful story. And we invite you to experience that for yourself. So this is Palm Sunday, the beginning of what some people thought was the end. But really, it was a new beginning. Because the Bible says, all that are in Christ Jesus, right? We're new creatures. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And there's that continual process of learning and growing in Christ, developing our lives. He makes us better than we could ever be on our own. Praise God. Aren't you glad about that this morning? And even though there was some disappointment because they didn't, or he didn't do what they thought he was going to do, the end result is far better. Because Jesus knew that mankind would fall into sin and they would need a Savior to be redeemed back to God. He knew that the end result was that we would be in a redemptive state, not an innocent state. But he also knew that that was far better. Because what we are in Christ is far better than anything we could have been back in the Garden of Eden before sin in the state of innocence. 
That's how good God is. You know, some people think that the entrance of sin messes up God's plan, but no, God factored that in. That was part of his plan all along. He knew what we were going to choose, and he gave us something better. And I'm glad he did, aren't you? Amen. Praise the Lord. Thank God for his salvation this morning. If you have your Bibles today, let's get right into this next portion of our service. We're going to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. So if you would open the Word of God, please, to 1 Corinthians 11. And we're going to begin reading in just a moment in verse 23. <clears throat> so we, we've been kind of going through you know, how we normally have a, a church service. We're about to deviate from that just a little bit. Today's message is just going to simply be the Lord's Supper. As you can see, our communion table is ready. And we're going to look at what the Bible says about the Lord's Supper, how Jesus did it, and how we're to do it. And so instead of preaching a sermon today, we're just going to do some teaching on this passage that explains it to us so that uh, we can be on the same page together. You know, we have been offering a new member class. We just did our second week this morning. That's at 9 o'clock if you'd like to come be part of that in the fellowship hall. It doesn't mean you have to join. It just means you're getting more information about our church, learning who we are, how we do things. And we have several people in there. Uh, of course, our regular members are right in there with us, and we've had a good group kind of growing every week. And uh, that's good. We like that. Good fellowship. Good. We always have good food, right? That's good. And, uh, of course, uh, good lessons. The Lord really uses His Word, doesn't He, to speak to our hearts and our lives. And So we talked about today, we talked about our statements, our statement of purpose, our statement of faith, and, uh, you know, what, why a church exists, what are we supposed to be doing. We talked about that, and then what we believe. And inside that statement of faith, what we believe, one of those items is on the Lord's Supper. We believe Jesus left the church two ordinances, baptism and the Lord's Supper. So we carry these out frequently, and both ordinances, both of them, portray the Lord Jesus Christ. Baptism portrays the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. And the Lord's Supper portrays that in a different way we'll talk about in just a moment. So 1 Corinthians 11 is our text. If you have that, let's stand together. And we're going to begin reading in verse 23 right after our prayer. So let's pray, and then we'll begin at verse 23. Father, how we love you today, and today how we look to you. We're going to look to you in the scriptures, and we're also going to look to you, Lord, by reflection. As we partake of the Lord's Supper and, and as we reflect on these items and what they mean. From the scriptures, we're going to learn what they mean to you. And Lord, by memory, we're going to reflect on what they mean to us. And so we pray you'd bless that time, this time of reflection. Lord, this time of dealing with us, I pray your Holy Spirit would just speak to our hearts in a special way, in a personal way. And help us, Lord, to, to be sure that we're close to you, that distractions are out of the way, and that we can be blessed by the memory of who you are and what you've done for us in our lives. And we thank you, Lord, for all you're going to do. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. All right, verse 23, the Bible says, For I have received of the Lord that which I also delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he brake it and said, Take, eat. 
This is my body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. After the same manner also he took the cup. When he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as oft as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death till he come. Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself. And so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this cause many are weak and sickly among For if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. We are judged, we are chastened of the Lord, that we should not be condemned with the world. We come together to eat, tarry one for another. If any man hunger, let him eat at home, that you may not come together unto condemnation. The rest I will set in order when I come. So we're going to talk this morning about the Lord's Supper. Thank you so much. You may be seated. So we notice that verse 33 says, Wherefore, my brethren, when you come together to eat, tarry one for another. So in a moment, we're going we're gonna to walk through the steps of taking the Lord's Supper. We're, we're going to take the bread and we're going to drink the juice and, and uh, we're going to explain those items and, and what they mean. But before we get into that, we want to understand that, that the, the idea was for us all to partake together at the same time. So we're going to distribute those parts. So for instance, when we, when we take the bread and we distribute all that, we want you to hold it until everyone has one. And then we're going to talk about what that bread means because we're doing it in remembrance of Christ. And then after that, we're all going to eat the bread together. And we're doing that because Paul said in verse 33, tarry one for another. We're going to eat together. The same thing with the juice. We're going to distribute those cups and everyone will get one. The men will come back up. We'll serve them a cup and we'll all together. We'll talk about it first. And then we'll all partake of the juice at the same time together. All right. So there's an order to the Lord's Supper and we want to we want to do that. And as we do it, we're going to take a moment in between. We're going to talk about those items. We're going to talk about the bread. We're going to talk about the juice. And uh, we're going to talk about what the Lord did for us. But first, I want us to talk about being ready to take the Lord's Supper. Because Paul said, if you eat or drink unworthily, then you're, you're receiving condemnation to yourself. In other words, that's, you're, you're, you're receiving judgment. Now, there's a couple of reasons for that. Um, first of all, we believe that the Lord's Supper is for believers. Believers are the ones who remember the Lord Jesus, his broken body and his shed blood, because they have received that as their payment for sin. Believers are trusting Jesus and what he did on the cross They're trusting that to get them to heaven, and they're not trusting their own good deeds and their own goodness. They're not trusting anything about themselves to get them there. 
And so that's why he said, do this in remembrance of me. It's a very important aspect. The second thing is, sometimes, you know, as believers, when we read Romans chapter 7, we read about Paul's struggle with his flesh. And we read about how sometimes sin can enter into the life of a believer. Can a believer sin? Absolutely. Should they sin? Paul said, God forbid. Now, a true believer doesn't want to sin. And they regret it when they do. There's conviction. There's remorse. So they don't have a desire to go live a continual lifestyle of sin. Someone who can do that with with no guilt is not a true believer. That's very clear in the scriptures. It's easy to profess Jesus without possessing him. So I would hope that that's not the case with anyone here this morning. We're talking about true believers remembering the Lord Jesus and what he did for them. He died on the cross. He shed his blood to be the payment of our sin. So I no longer have to be good enough. I don't have to keep trying to get to heaven. That's all taken care of by what Jesus did. Now I want to focus on living a life that pleases him. And I don't do that in order to get to heaven. I do that because... I'm going to heaven. I do that because I'm part of the family of God and, and because I, have, I now have this desire to please him. One day when I meet him in heaven, I want to hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. You know, and before I met Christ, I didn't really know or think or care about that. But I do now. And that drives me, that motivates me to want to be right with God. So this morning, we want to consider... Are there things in your life that shouldn't be there? Are there sins present that you need to get rid of, that you've not confessed to God? If that's the case, then this is the time to reckon with God about that and make that confession, get that right, and then partake of the Lord's Supper. Notice in the Scriptures, Paul's dealing with people who had to do this. And he said in verse 28, he said, But let a man examine himself. And so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. The idea is that you would have some time for self-examination. A moment to reflect inwardly. So that you can participate in the Lord's Supper. Some people have such guilt. What they do at this moment is they pull back and they choose not to participate in the Lord's Supper. Because they know there's things in their life that shouldn't be there. I want you to know that that's not the intention that Paul had. Did you look at the verse? Let's look at it once again. Verse 28, it says, But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink. What we want to do is get clear with God so we can participate. That wasn't put in here to examine yourself. It wasn't put in here to keep you or to discourage you from partaking Lord's Supper. It is a somber moment. It is something serious to contemplate. But it was put there to encourage you. Get that clear with God so that you can participate. This is a special event. This is not only special to a church family, but this is special to God. A time when we remember Him and reflect on Him, this is personal. Do you know Jesus Christ as your Savior? 
If so, then you can participate. Is there sin in your life that you know about that shouldn't be there? If so, then we're going to examine ourselves in a moment. You have an opportunity. Let's make that right with God and let's participate. And as we participate, Jesus said, this do what? In remembrance of me. It's kind of a time of personal worship that's packed into our public service. So this is a time really for closeness with you and God one-on-one. We're going to give you that time this morning. Notice in verse 29, he said, For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily, let's go on down. Uh, Verse 31, For if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. That's a powerful truth right there, isn't it? Hey, you, you want to, you wanna, uh, as a believer, you want to keep short accounts with God. What that means is, if you catch yourself doing something you shouldn't as a believer, confess that quickly, get it right, and move on. Don't have a long, lingering history of things you've, you've not done right or, or things you shouldn't have done. Don't let that build up in your life. So when you find that you have something that you've done something you shouldn't have done or you've not done something you should have done, meet the Lord quickly about that. You don't have to be at church to do it. Pray and talk to God about that. Say, Lord, forgive me. Help me do better. Right? Because when we examine ourselves and judge ourselves, what? It prevents God from having to discipline us as his children. It spares us from being judged of God if we take care of that ourselves. And that's what Paul's talking about here. So he says, but when we are judged, we are chastened of the Lord. Sometimes the Lord has to do that, doesn't he? Because we're not aware or maybe we're not willing to get those things right. God has to intervene. And by the way, he will if you're really one of his children. Now, just like a parent doesn't discipline someone else's kids, God doesn't chasten people that are not part of his family. Right? We are all part of God's creation as far as being humans, but not all humans are part of God's family. You become born into the family of God when you receive Jesus Christ as your Savior. So if you've done that today, then you're, you're ready. You're in the group of those who should be participating in the Lord's Supper and reflecting on what Jesus did for you and what he means to you. And if there's any distraction or anything in the way of that, any sin in in the way, you should take care of that so that this morning you can personally worship the Lord and remember him and what he did for you. Isn't that good? So I want us to take a moment, bow together in prayer. I want to give you time to talk to the Lord this morning. Are things right with the Lord? Is there anything between you and the Lord this morning that you need to sort out or get rid of? Ask ask him to help you with. Take a moment and do that right now. Confess any known sin in your life. Hey, let's get that straight. Because in a moment, we're going to walk through this ceremony and we're going to remember the Lord through these elements. And we want him to be precious. Right? And we want to remember the Lord and all he's done in our life. So take a moment if you would. And I'm going to wait. We're going to give pause right now, just a little time for you to deal with any of those things. Talk to the Lord about it. Let's enter this time right with the Lord and ready to partake of his supper.
you can look this way. Thank you so much for taking that time to reflect, to judge yourself, right, so you can be ready. You know, if we were, if we were all just being honest, we would say none of us are worthy of what we're about to partake in. It's knowing the Lord. It's His forgiveness. It's His salvation that makes us worthy. That's the only reason, by the way, that, that we could have an entrance into heaven one day. Is because of what He did for us. On our own, without Him? <laughs> you know, the song says, without Him I could do nothing. Wow, that's so true. Without Him, we wouldn't be worthy to partake of this. Without Him, we wouldn't have been worthy to walk in this room. Without Him, we're certainly not worthy to enter heaven. I mean, on our best day, we're just not good enough. But because of Him, we're complete and we're whole. Right? And that's the beauty of the Christian life. Verse 23, Paul said, For I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. It wasn't long after the triumphal entry of, into Jerusalem. People were praising God and shouting his praises, putting palm branches down. Jesus slipped off to the side with his disciples and he had this, what they call the Last Supper. That was their Last Supper with him. Because he said, I'll drink no wine until I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. He knew what was about to happen. And Paul reminded us, it was that same night after that supper, he was betrayed. And that's when he went to that trial and was led to the cross. We'll talk about that part next week, but today we want to think about that supper. And that's what we're going back to. We're going to remember that. The disciples had their time. This is our time. This is our supper with Jesus. And we're going to think about what he did for us. I'd like to ask our men if you would come and just sit on the front. And we're going to get ready to partake of the Lord's Supper. It says in verse 23 that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. The bread that we're going to use, you'll notice, is not your typical looking bread. And that's because it's unleavened bread. The word leaven in the Bible is, is yeast. And in the Bible, yeast is used as an illustration. It's used as a picture of sin. So we use bread that is without yeast to picture the body of the Lord Jesus. Because Jesus was a man who lived without sin. He had to be that. That's why he was born of a virgin. If he had been born like every other man, he would have been a sinful man. And if that were the case, then he could never have died on the cross to be our Savior. 
He would have had his own sin in between him and God. He couldn't have helped us with ours. But Jesus was not a normal man. Jesus was a righteous man. He was a holy person. He was perfect, righteous, as the Bible describes. And because of that, when we picture him, when we remember him, we use unleavened bread, bread that is without yeast, to remember a body that was pure, but in pieces. In pieces because when he went to the cross, his body was broken. For no cause of his own, our sin put him on the cross. But we remember his brokenness because he did it for us. He loved us that much. And so at this time, our men are going to distribute the bread. Take one and hold on to it. Now remember what we said earlier. If you're a born-again believer in Jesus Christ and you've been scripturally baptized, then you are a candidate to participate in the Lord's Supper. If you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, if you're not a believer, then we would just ask you to watch with us. The Lord loves each of us. This is what he did for the world. And if you know him as your Savior, he did this for you. So make it a personal time. Take your peace and hold on to it. And then the men are going to come back. I'm going to serve them. I'll take a piece myself. We'll do what the scripture says. We'll give thanks. And then we'll all eat it together. All right? So if our men would come.
The Bible says when they had given thanks, Jesus said, take, eat. So we're going to give thanks for this symbolizing the broken body of the Lord Jesus for us. I'm going to ask Brother Brennan, would you, would you lead our prayer as we word our thanks to God? So Jesus said, take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. In case you're thinking, that didn't taste very good. Remember the cross. It was not a pleasant experience. And the Lord took upon himself that sin and that judgment and that punishment for sin that really belonged to us. But because of that, we can be forgiven and go free. Notice the next verse. After the same manner also, he took the cup. When we, when we do the Lord's Supper, just like the bread... Re- resembles and it pictures the Lord Jesus, so does the cup. Jesus said the cup is the New Testament in my blood. It's the new covenant with God. This was built on top of the old covenant. Jesus said, I'm doing something new. I'm adding something. He said, this do ye as you drink it in remembrance of me. So we use pure grape juice, nothing alcoholic. The reason, there is a reason, the reason is because alcohol has fermentation. Again, that is the picture of sin, the decay and all that is in that process. Jesus was a person who was without sin. The Bible clearly teaches that. And as we reflect who he is, we use elements in our supper that accurately portrays him as innocent and pure just as he was. And thank God he was. Because he was pure, because he was innocent, he could take our sins on himself and pay that price that no man could pay and do it in a way that it was acceptable to the Father, that God would receive that payment. And on that basis that the payment has been made, he extends the offer of forgiveness to us. Wow, what a trade. So you get our sinfulness for his righteousness. And it's all because of the blood of Jesus. The songwriter said, what can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. So notice this morning, we're not celebrating righteous deeds. We're not celebrating church membership. Those are good things. We should do those. But as we remember, we're celebrating the body and blood of the Lord Jesus because it's through him that we have salvation and forgiveness. Not the church organization and not our deeds, not things we can do 
Because good works don't erase bad ones. Only Jesus can do that. So let's take this cup. Again, if you'll hold it until we all get our place, and we'll take together. Again, as they gave thanks, we will now give thanks for the blood of Jesus. Brother Richard, would you word our prayer to the Lord, please? Amen. Well, I love that. And as we partake of the Lord's Supper and now receive the juice which represents his blood, that should be our heart's desire and our condition, sincerity and thankfulness. It says here, the Lord said to them, this cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as oft as you drink it in remembrance of me. Let's drink together.
You know, as a believer in Jesus, we're saved by his grace. We have the privilege of being a part of God's family and now being able to say heaven is my home. That gives me confidence. It should not give me arrogance. Though we may be better off than others who don't know Christ, but we're never better than another person. Jesus died for all. And what we should do is take our love for the Lord that we're reflecting on today and share it with the rest of the world and let them know that Jesus loves them too. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Right? That's God's goal. That's what he wants. He wants to see us in heaven. Recently we read the prayer in John 17, which is really the Lord's prayer. Jesus was praying the whole chapter. One of the things he said was that, Father, I want my disciples to be with me where I am. You know, that includes us, those who believe on the Lord. He wants us to be with him one day. That's why the Bible teaches that to graduate to heaven is a joyful event. They're shouting in heaven, right? Think about that. Even though we miss those that have gone on before us, they're rejoicing because they're now in his presence and he's rejoicing. It's like a welcome home. What a great, what a great event. All because of Jesus and what he did for us. So the Bible says that after Jesus had that supper with the disciples, it says they sang a hymn and departed out of that place. You know, the upper room. <clears throat> Let's see if this is the one. If I'm going to lead it, i got to know it, right? <laughs> I think it's 2.30. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, I found a friend who is all to me. His love is ever true. I love to tell how he lifted me and what his grace can do for you. Saved by his power divine, saved to new life sublime. Life now is sweet and my joy is complete, for I'm saved, saved, saved. All right? What a great hymn. Let's close with that. We'll just sing the first verse, and uh, we'll close with this hymn today. Let's stand as we sing it. Page 230 in your blue book. Here it goes. I found a friend who is all to me. His love is ever true. I love to tell how he lifted me and what his grace. Thank you so much for worshiping with us today.